Well, it's going to be tough following the kids. Uh, they, uh, what a joy. I, you know, some, you couldn't see all the layers there, but I was over at the side and could see just some of the deep uh, expression and uh, love and excitement and um, does the heart good, does the heart good. You know, we're continuing our series, Out of This World. We've been looking at some of Jesus' out-of-this-world statements. You know, statements that uh, will challenge our minds, statements that will expand the way we we think as to what's possible with, with God. You know, one day Jesus was talking to his followers, and he said this. He says, you belong to the, to the world. If, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. But as it is, you do not belong to the world. You've been chosen out of, out of this world. That is why the world hates you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, we live in this world, but we're not of this world. We've been chosen by God. We've been called out of this world. And Peter, who was a disciple of Jesus, one of his closest followers, Jesus really, or, uh, Peter really grasped what Jesus was talking about. And later he would write to Christians that were being persecuted in Rome. He says, Beloved, I urge you as aliens, as sojourners, to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against the soul. We live our lives focused on God's kingdom as Christians, focused on eternity. And because we understand that we're not of this world, we we think differently. We're to act differently. We're to approach life in a very different manner. You know, Jesus said, I have come in order that you might have life, life in all its what? Fullness, fullness. In other words, Jesus not only came to save us from our sins and to save us from death and to give us the opportunity for eternal life, but Jesus also came that we would have life here and now, that we would have life in all of its fullness, that we would have a life that is only possible when we live it with God. You know, Jesus uh, officially started his, his ministry, and he made a public announcement in the, in the synagogue and Scripture says that, uh, that one of the priests hands Jesus an Old Testament scroll and that he opened that scroll to a specific passage and he started reading from that. And Jesus is reading from uh, Isaiah. So he's quoting Isaiah here in the, in the book of Luke. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And so Jesus, as he read that, he rolled the scroll back up, Scripture says, and every, every eye was fixed on Jesus. I imagine it was very quiet at that moment. There was kind of an anticipation that hung in the air. I don't believe anyone in that synagogue that day was prepared for what Jesus would say next. He says, then he began to speak to them. The scripture you just heard has been fulfilled this very day. Jesus made an out-of-this-world statement. In that moment, Jesus was declaring to everyone there 
that he was the Messiah that they had waited for. It, it was good news for the poor. It was good news for the captive, for the oppressed. It was good news for people that were unwanted. In fact, it was good news for you and me. And it's against that backdrop that we're going to look at a close encounter today. It is a close encounter, not of the third kind, but a close encounter of the God kind. And I will tell you, every time I read the Gospels, the, the thing that kind of blows my mind as I read that, the, the Scriptures, is that Jesus encountered people, and he connected with people, imperfect people, people that are a lot like you and I. You know, in that encounter, the encounter that we're going to look at today, it's a short encounter, but it's a very powerful one. And I will warn you up front, it's a little bit gross. It's a little bit gross. I'm not sure when we read the story that we actually get what's happening because we have a tendency, especially here in the, in the United States, to kind of sanitize things. But Scripture says this, while Jesus was in one of the towns a man came along who was covered with leprosy. Matthew and Mark also record this story, but it's only Luke that writes covered with leprosy. And that, that was a medical term, actually. It was uh, advanced leprosy. And it's not surprising that Luke would write this because Luke was a doctor before he was a follower of Jesus. And so he's telling us this is advanced leprosy here. This disease, it would have been a very contagious disease. It was an aggressive skin disease. It actually would infect and finally cover the entire body. Dr. Uh, Paul Brandt, um, he's a Christian, he's an author, he was a leading researcher in, in leprosy. He died a couple years ago, but he worked for decades with leprosy. He developed uh, treatments for it. He worked in uh, underdeveloped parts of the world. And he would say that the final stages uh, of leprosy, he would see people, they would lose all sensation in their extremities. And to the point that when he was working with the homeless in India, he said they would be laying in ditches, sleeping of a night. And that rats would literally gnaw their fingers and their, their toes off. And he said, because they, they couldn't feel them. And they would just sleep right through it. And it's very, uh, very graphic the, as he share, shared that in his book. Bottom line, leprosy was awful. It was awful. And it wasn't just the physical piece it carried in that day a moral stigma. Uh, lepers were not only physically, but they were spiritually outcast from the community. The disease was uh, seen again in that day. It was seen as kind of a curse from God. I mean, a person had to announce to the world that they were unclean if they had leprosy. You know, that they, they would literally have to go through the streets and say, unclean, unclean. And not only were they c- considered unclean physically, but they were considered unclean spiritually. And so what happened was crowds would avoid. They wouldn't get very close to a person with leprosy. They, they, would, uh, they were quarantined to communities of other people that were infected 
they were kept outside the city. They weren't allowed to come into the city. Scripture goes on. It says, while Jesus was with was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I love this man's faith here. He calls Jesus Lord. And then basically, he says to Jesus, I know you can do anything. I I know you might not heal me, but I know you can heal me if you want to. Scripture says Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. That word touched there. It's kathapto in the Greek. It means to fasten on to. So we're not talking that Jesus, Jesus kind of tentatively touched him or reluctantly touched him or, or even quickly touched him. Jesus, I envision grabbing this man's shoulder. He, he latches on. He fastens on to this guy. And immediately this guy's healed. Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go. Show yourselves to the priest and offer the sacrifice that Moses commands for your cleansing as a testimony to them. I imagine everybody in the city knew that this guy was a leper. I imagine that they would have been very reluctant to accept this guy back into society. But, but if a priest... If a priest were to inspect him, if a priest were to accept his offering, it would have kind of validated things. And it also shows that Jesus is upholding the law, because it was the law in that day. There was a process for being allowed back into the community. But I want you to think for a moment. Can you imagine what it would be like to be forced to shout, unclean? And that people would avoid you. Can you grasp that for a moment? You know, when a person would receive news that they had leprosy, they, it had invaded their body. They were immediately removed from the community. They were immediately removed, removed from their home. I'm thinking they lost their spouse in that moment, their kids, their job, their reputation. They lost their position. And over time, they lost their hands and their feet and their face. And eventually, they'd lose their life. That disease, the stigma, it isolated them in every single way you can think of. Can you imagine for a moment? Can you imagine seeing a, a former friend or neighbor? Can you imagine seeing your, your spouse from afar? See your children playing? Could you imagine seeing your family 
and you absolutely can't be a part of their life. Can you imagine being alive but so dead? That's how this leper was. I was reading about Mother Teresa a while back, and uh, she worked most of her life with, uh, in the streets of Calcutta. And she was quoted numerous times saying that doctors could give a, a medicine for leprosy. But that wasn't the main problem with leprosy. She over and over would say the disease of being unwanted was the greatest problem. They saw themselves as unworthy, wounded, untouchable, unwanted. You you ever felt that way in your life? You know, Oscar Weiler, he wrote about that feeling. He says, we did not dare to breathe a prayer or give an anguish scope. Something was dead within each of us. And what was dead was hope. That's how you feel when you're unwanted. When you're unloved. It sucks hope right out of you. And lepers in Jesus' day felt hopelessly lost in their their life. And that's how this leper felt. You know, I I wonder when was the last time he'd experienced a, a touch from somebody. You know, a hug from a, from a child. When was the last time he received a kiss from his spouse? When was the last time he felt the embrace of a friend? In fact, when was the last time someone even just bumped into him? You know, the Pharisees in that day, the religious leaders of the day, they taught that if you touched someone that was unclean, you were defiled that you yourself would become unclean. And so lepers were to avoid people. In fact, they had laws that that put in place that you were to stay away from people. You were especially to stay away from religious people, people like rabbis. And so these laws put in place, they were really strict. If a leper got too close to someone, well, the penalties were severe in that day. You know, rabbis, they kind of prided themselves on, on being so close to God that they were unapproachable to people that were marginalized in that day. Here's the irony that hits me when I read this story. The only rabbi that this guy could approach was Jesus. God incarnate. I mean, Jesus was God in the flesh, and he felt like he could approach him. You know, I asked myself, uh, it started early in my ministry, uh, of just saying, am I approachable? Am I approachable? Am I approachable? Or, or, or do I try and impress people with my theological knowledge or spiritual depth or the fact that I try and live a, a pure life? You know, am I approachable? Or do I send signals I'm a little superior? I mean, am I approachable? See, we're called to be approachable as Christians. And being available and being approachable, those are two different things. 
But if I'm available, I want to be approachable. And I think about Jesus. Jesus was superior to everybody. This leper acknowledges it. He calls him Lord. And yet, he felt like he could approach Jesus. I mean, you read about Jesus in the Gospels. And the people that were around him, I mean, prostitutes, tax collectors, little children, scholars and lawyers and widows, uh, uneducated fishermen, they all hung out with Jesus. They, they spent time with Jesus. And, and here's a question for you. Christians, how approachable are you? How approachable are you? I mean, husbands, are you approachable? Or are you always right? I mean, wives, are, are you approachable? Or are people afraid of how you're going to react to something? I mean, parents, I mean, can your kids approach you about anything? Leaders, do, do you simply lead by intimidation? I mean, do you keep your friends at a distance? Are, are your friends afraid to ask you for a favor? I mean, do people see you as aloof or standoffish or a little bit superior? How approachable are you? Because Jesus was approachable. Leper took a, a risk and he approaches Jesus. And this leper knew the law. He knew the law. If he made an attempt to, to touch Jesus, he was going to be in trouble. But, but he approaches Jesus, and he's comfortable enough that he, he feels like he can get close to Jesus. And as he approaches, I think he felt unlovable. I think he felt untouchable, unworthy, unclean. He he falls before Jesus. Scripture says he hid his face. He he buried his face on the ground in the dirt. And in spite of the laws of the Pharisees, in spite of his contagious condition, in spite of the social aspect of what society was going to think here, Jesus reaches out and touches him. I like Mark's account because he adds a little bit. He says, Jesus was filled with compassion. And he touched him. He touched him. See, I think Jesus knew before he could heal this guy, he needed this guy to know that he was willing to touch him and value him. You know, Jesus could have done kind of a drive-through window kind of thing. I mean, seriously, because it... Yeah, pull up, please. Can I take your order? Well, thank you for sharing. Pull up to the next window and you'll be healed. Next, you know. He could have done that. He could have kept his distance. He could have healed from a distance. In fact, he could have prayed from a distance. But Jesus wasn't a God like that. Jesus touches him. And can you imagine that moment? I want you to think about it. Maybe it's been years since anybody touched this guy. And Jesus touches him. This unclean, unwanted, unloved guy. 
unworthy, unworthy of another person's touch, but worthy of the touch of God. Friends, we are wired and created to touch one another's lives. We are created to live in the presence of one another. You've heard me say numerous times, you will never lock eyes with someone that doesn't matter to God. This guy mattered to God. And here's what bothers me. I mean, here we are 2,000 plus years later, we still have untouchables. I mean, who are your untouchables in your life? Are they untouchable because of the race? Are they untouchable because of their social standing or their education or their politics or their clothing or their appearance? I mean, what, why are they untouchable to you? Are they untouchable because of their, their past or their present lifestyle? Are they untouchable because they hurt you one time? You know, and you've let that, that bitterness kind of build up so you can't even extend a hand anymore? Are they untouchable because they disturb your sensibilities? Are they untouchable because you go there swimming in a cesspool of sin? Are they untouchable because you put a sign around their neck? Unclean. Unclean. You ever been in one of those shops where when you walk in, they have signs all over, please do not touch? You know what I'm talking about? All right, I hope nobody owns one of those shops because I I will tell you, every time I walk in one of those shops, as soon as I look around and I see sign after sign, do not touch, do not touch, do not touch, I turn around and walk back out. You know, because you know why it's up. If you break it, you what? You bought it. And I look around, and I go, I don't want anything in here, <laughs> you know. But I don't like those signs. Never have. Every day, friends, we brush up against people of incredible worth in our society and in our lives. And God has given them value. Every single person. You know, God has said, this person is worth the price of my son on the cross. And so God put a sign around every person's neck saying, please touch me. Please touch me. In fact, somebody's waiting for you to touch them today. And the question is, will you extend a hand? Will you put an arm on on their shoulder and give them a warm embrace? Will you offer to help them? Will you encourage them? Will you acknowledge that they exist Friends, we live in a contagious world. We cannot sanitize it. And so what do we do? I mean, people keep their distance. Don't want to get infected. Don't want to get involved. Don't want to get too close. Don't want to get too close to their hurt because, well, they may infect me with their pain. I mean, we don't want to get close because it's uncomfortable Or it's inconvenient. But friends, till we are willing to embrace the hurt and the struggle and get close enough to people, they will never experience the love of God. Christians, we are called by God. 
We are called by the creator of this universe to love people and touch their lives. This leper, he approaches Jesus. I know you can do this. I'm just not sure if that's the kind of God you are. And Jesus reaches out and he touches this guy. And friends, when he touched him, he was announcing to the world, God is that kind of God and he wants to get really close. I love the uh, Old Testament story, Moses, the first time that he encounters God. You know, the burning bush, remember that? And Moses uh, approaches the burning bush, and God instructs Moses. He says, take off your sandals, for you're standing on holy ground. I mean, why did God say that? Here's what I'm thinking. Back in those days, people would not touch holy things. So if something was in the temple that was holy... They, they would wear gloves so that they didn't touch it. The, the Torah, that was scripture in that day, the scrolls of the law. When, when they handled them, they wrapped them in cloth so that they didn't touch the scroll. In other words, they did not want to touch holy things with their skin. Clean, unclean. Got to keep these things separated. God says, Moses, take off your sandals. This, this is holy ground here. If God had followed what the rabbis were teaching, he would have said, Moses, put your sandals on. In fact, lay a mat down and stand on the mat in your sandals. But God says to Moses, Take off your sandals, Moses. I want to be close to you. David would write this later. He says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Jesus did not perform miracles to to show off. He didn't perform miracles so crowds would show up. In fact, Jesus tells this leper, he says, yeah, keep this quiet. Don't say anything. See, Jesus knew the chaos that would come out of this. He knew the tension and the opposition that the religious leaders would uh, give him for doing this. See, I think Jesus healed people and he touched them because he wanted to. Jesus wanted to be close to people. You you see it in in the scriptures. Healing their body was not Jesus' goal. Jesus drew close and he responded to, to the suffering He responded and drew close to people that that were untouchable. He wanted to give them an up-close, personal view and glimpse of the love of God. I mean, that's what was involved here. Jesus drew close to prove that God was not unmovable, 
that God wasn't sitting up in a skybox in heaven just watching going, wow, that's bad, that's really bad. But that God was loving and tender and God was willing to come down and get close, I mean get really close and touch their life in a real and personal way. You know, Jesus didn't eliminate suffering, not in this world. And Jesus didn't heal everybody on the planet. But Jesus did answer one question. Does God care? See, regardless of how this world treats people, and we're awful, uh, we're just awful sometimes. The poor, the sick, the brokenhearted, the rejected, Friends, because of Jesus Christ, we have the assurance that everyone, 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 everyone on this planet is loved by God. Because of Jesus Christ, we know there are no undesirables in this world. And friends, I will tell you what a feeling that is when you realize that you're not undesirable, you're not unwanted, that you're not unclean, that you're not untouchable. When you realize and when you experience that kind of love, friends, it is hard to keep quiet. It's hard to keep quiet. Nobody touches lepers. I mean, it's leprosy spread by touch. And so when Jesus touches this leper, this guy doesn't infect Jesus. He doesn't infect him with his disease. No, Jesus infected him with life, hope, and joy. And now this guy is contagious. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Let's just keep this on the down low, okay? But he couldn't contain himself. He couldn't keep quiet. You know, Scripture says, this is Mark's account. I like what Mark says. He says, and he went out and began to proclaim it freely. He's talking about the man that was healed. And to spread the word so that Jesus could no longer go into a town openly, but stayed out in the country. And people came to him from every quarter. People started flocking to Jesus But this guy, he couldn't be quiet. And I read that and I think, can you blame him? I mean, how do you keep quiet when I was lost, but now I'm found? I was rejected, but I've been accepted. You know, I I was dead, but I'm alive. I mean, when something like that happens in your life, there is a sense of gratitude that just overflows and overtakes you. And friends, it's hard to shut up. You know, I'm convinced that's why this church has grown. It's because people just can't shut up about how God's love has changed their life. And I don't know if you think about it. I think about it all the time. I mean, some of you right now, you're sitting in a row with a family that a few years ago, they they were falling apart. But they allowed God to get involved in their life and touch them. You know, some of you may be sitting next to someone that was drowning in deep grief and sorrow and pain and depression. And God pulled them out of that sea and gave them hope and gave them life and gave them love. 
I mean, you may be sitting a few seats away from someone that was an alcoholic or a drug addict or had an eating disorder. And much like the leper, for a moment, they said, Lord, if you're willing, I know you could heal me. And they got in a recovery group and God transformed their life. I mean, you may be sitting with someone in this room today who had a horrible reputation. You know, maybe a wild sexual past or spent years in prison. And they never believed that God could forgive them. But friends, they're dead wrong about God's grace. And they experienced the life-giving power of the touch of Jesus Christ in their life. And friends, when that happens, it is really hard to be quiet about it. To just go, eh, so much for that. I mean, once you get infected by Jesus Christ, you live differently. Christians, we are to to live differently and think differently. We're to move in our world, whether it's at our school or our neighborhoods or the workplace or with your family, not, not with some obnoxious religion but with the joy and the peace and and a healthy confidence and an unconditional love and to touch the people around us, to be approachable so that people go, I want what they got. And friends, when Jesus Christ touches your life and changes you, it's hard to keep quiet because you want to touch the world the same way he's touched your life. See, Jesus came to bring life to this world, life in all of its fullness, to bring hope. I mean, this world is so much, so much hopelessness. You know, Romans 5, 5, Paul writes this, he says, and this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us. I mean, let that sink in, for we know how dearly God loves us. Because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Breathe in the human condition. Refuse to ignore a broken world. There are people who are hurting and they're all around you. People who feel unwanted and unloved. People that feel unacceptable. This world is full of broken people. People that have given up on hope. Christians. We are called by God. Higher calling. We are called, and we have got to quit living in isolation. You know, afraid to risk, afraid to get close to people. Oh, it's going to get complicated. No, I'm not sure I want to do it. We got to take off our gloves, and we got to reach out, and we got to touch people with the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to do. I mean, Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one that brings life. Jesus is the one that can breathe life and life in all of its fullness into people's lives. We live in a contaminated planet. Sin's contaminated it. It will always be contaminated. I mean, to be honest about it, God should have quarantined the earth from heaven. I mean, that's what a reasonable God would do. But friends, we do not serve a reasonable God. He sent his son 
to take our place on the cross. He sent him to die for our sins. Unclean, that's me. I got the disease of sin, and so do you. And instead of the world infecting Jesus, God comes down and touches us through him. And Jesus gave his life so that we could have life, so that we could have hope, so that we could have joy. And I don't know if any of you feel like I do, but friends, when I think about what God's done for me, I overflow with gratitude. And I cannot keep quiet. I have got to tell people how Jesus Christ can touch their life and change their life too. And friends, we are called to that as Christians. We are called to that. Let's stand for a word of prayer. We're going to have prayer teams down front. Some of you, maybe you're in that. I feel pretty unwanted. Well, I'm here to tell you Jesus Christ wants to touch your life. You know, come down, let team pray with you. Some of you, maybe as I've been talking, you're like, yeah, there's somebody at work I, I need to touch their life or somebody that I go to school with or a neighbor. Come down and just say, just pray with me that God will use me. You don't have to tell them details. You know, don't use names. Just say, pray with me. I want God to use me to touch this world. We are called by God to touch people's lives. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. And God, there are many of us here that you have touched our life, changed us. And God, I pray we would just scream to the world about your love. God, I know there are some here today that uh, they're trying to figure out if you even care. God, I pray that you'd pull someone alongside them to just touch, touch them and let them know that they are loved, that they're of great value that you've noticed what's going on. God, I pray you would continue to just use this church to touch the world around us. To touch them for you. God, we celebrate and we thank you for your amazing love, your great love that no matter where we are in life, no matter what we're going through, that you're there right beside us. We're not going through life alone. God, I thank you for the promise. I thank you for the hope that we find in that great love. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And God's people said, let's worship together.